0: Episode
1: 27 of the Rugby Paper podcast brings about a little change of pace. Christian Wade has been around the sporting block both in England and more recently in the United States. And this episode, he shares his most valuable life lessons from his most challenging life experiences. This was an absolute pleasure to record and is definitely a don't miss. Chris, Brendan, great to have you with me again. And we're with none other than... Former England player, former British Lion and former Buffalo Bill now as well, Christian Wade. How are you doing, Christian?
2: I'm doing really well, man. Doing really well. Just, um, you know, happy to be out here in America, working hard, just looking at what the next kind of chapter is going to look like for me. And so
1: this is a tr- completely innocent question, by the way, but you are in America. What are you doing at the
2: moment? I'm really um, literally working on my foundation. So um, I just launched... Next Gen U, which is my foundation. That's all about developing the next generation of elite professionals, or really st- working on the next generation to prepare them for, you know, the the world of work. But whether it's in rugby, music, or in the professional industries, um, using the various different camps and uh, workshops and stuff like that. So that's really what I've been working on.
1: And you were in England. A month or two ago, hence all the sort of speculation that's been surrounding your name lately. That was for next gen, you wasn't it?
2: Yeah, well, I was. I literally came back on Thursday last week, and I was over in um, in uh, in England for like three weeks for the for the camp, which obviously was on August the second to the fourth. And how was it? Oh, it was amazing. Um, to be honest, I was really nervous just because with the foundation, I am wearing all the different hats you know, running it completely myself, you know, using my various different advisors and stuff to make sure that, you know, I'm doing all the right stuff. But then further to that, I'm very passionate about the next generation. You know, I've always worked with academy guys coming through, any other younger guys, um, older guys too sometimes. But essentially, with this, my whole objective was for the the kids to enjoy themselves, but also to actually take away something from, from it. So, you know, that's where the nerves kind of came in because it's new to me having it in an actual organization rather than just like a one-to-one like I usually do. And um, the response was overwhelming, mate. After day one, parents and kids just raving about the whole camps and stuff. So then gave me the confidence for the next two days, you know, to really just keep doing what I was doing and, you know, had crazy reviews, you know, had some amazing press around it. You know, was able to work with some cool sponsors and some partners as well. So everything's, uh, you know, looking good for the, for the camp and the foundation.
0: So it's genuinely a one-man show, Christian, is it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one of them ones where, I wouldn't say a one-man show, but in terms of finance, marketing, social media, operations, sales, all of that stuff, that's all me. My business acumen comes from my dad, who's a financial services uh, he works with, you know, various different blue chip companies now as well, just giving them advice on business and helping them to scale, you know, from just under a mill to like multi-millions. Um, so for me, I'm really just using this time wisely really to upskill myself so that I can um, continue to, to push my projects out there, which I, I do have several that I've been working on since I've been injured um,
0: for the last year. Something um, like you to just go off and do your own thing, Christian.
2: Yeah, I guess oh you said that. it's unlike me <laughs> hey, i'm not waiting you know I, you see me i have you know i have a vision for my life for my family obviously i'm married now and you know i I'm, i know what it is that i want type of thing and as you see me on the field you know i don't do a lot of talking i let my playing my actions do the talking you know i'm dedicated focused you know and i work hard all i all i Ever want to do is make people feel good, be successful and um live live a happy life and and um, so far I've been blessed with all of that so it's been awesome man There's that's a ready. question
3: you're beginning to talk like an ex sportsman now are we you're thirty one have, have we seen the last of you on a rugby pitch on a gridiron american football, or are you leaving a few doors open
2: now nah, all the doors are open man i like, I've got a lot of sport left in me, you know what I mean but at the end of the day, like I said, I know what it is I want so if What's on offer isn't up to the standard that I needed to be at. It's not a big headed thing. It's just, you know, I've been through a lot in my career. I've had to put up with a lot of stuff, which, you know, sometimes you have to do that. It's just what it is. Right. But I've got to a point now where, you know, I I don't want to waste time doing stuff I don't want to do. I've got big plans for my family. It's not just me anymore. It's my wife also. And so this is just, just the the nature of how things go, you know, when you grow up. You mature a little bit. You understand what you want. And so for me, I'm just going after that stuff. And there's not really anything that could stop me. It's just the way it is. You know what I mean? It's just like me on the wing, mate. You can't stop me, bros. <laughs> 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 or I say okay, on the wing or in put me in running back. You can't stop me there either. So it's one, it's one of them things. I'm just now taking the stuff I do on the field, off the field, doing some business stuff, you know, trying to help the next generation come through to prepare them for what they're about to embark on. And I've got, you know, various contacts across the world which can help me do that. So I'm just really excited, man.
3: But you haven't burnt your boots?
2: Oh, no, no, no. You might see me pop up in Europe again soon or somewhere else, you know what I mean? We'll we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, I want to go into an environment that's forward-thinking, that also knows what they want and is about winning championships, nurturing the youth. There's various things that... If I'm going to go to a team that they need to be all about, like it has to be a part of their mission statement. It has to match up and align with what it is that I'm trying to achieve. And that's that really.
0: Do you think, Christian, that if an opportunity in rugby union really appealed to you and you went back into it, do you think you'll find that the attitudes have changed in the sense that if you were ever criticised, it wasn't really for your rugby, was it? It was criticised for size. Basically, it was. It was all about. It was all about that stuff. And now we've seen Cheslin Kolbe. We've seen um, the
3: Villiers of
0: France. Uh, Villiers in France. Uh, we've seen Darcy Graham Grayman come through in Scotland, and none of them are Joan Alomu, for sure. I mean, they bring different things, and they're incorporated into good sides in different ways. Do you, do you think? Do you suspect that things have changed a little bit, just that the, just the game's moved on a little bit and can incorporate guys with your kind of gifts a little bit easier than they could when you were playing here? I can't really comment on that, to
2: be honest, because all the way through my career, you know, I emulated my game and my role models are Shane Williams, Jason Robinson, these guys are not big dudes. William Ryder, there's loads of smaller guys or whatever in the stature that have been successful. And Cheslin Colby, that's a friend of mine also, you know, we're similar age. And he's been killing since the beginning of time. So it's not like this thing hasn't just all of a sudden. I don't think the game's changed. I think the game's probably gone backwards. It's just all about the different nations have their own perspectives and how they see it. And at the end of the day, I think that in a way, I was just on the wrong end of the stick when it came to... The England coaches wanting to pick what they want to pick. And I guess that's the England way. But, you know, I don't have aspirations to play for England since 2015. So if I went back to rugby, like, I would just be looking to do business as usual, which is breaking more records, scoring more tries, entertaining the fans, and enjoying myself while I do it. And that's really, you know, that's just how I view it. That's how I always viewed it. So, you know, people can talk, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I will never change you know what I mean? People's opinions will eventually change, maybe, but I will never change. I've been the same since day one. And I'm, you know, I'm still the same now. Just looking to have fun.
3: I just had a sort of flashback there. 2012, 2013 Lions, you were absolutely scorching it on form. And you got picked for the Argentina match. Do you remember? And did you have a hamstring or a something? And you dropped out. And it seemed that your international career ended there and then. I've always wondered... Why was that? Why was there no faith? You were the first choice. You were picked for that Argentina match after you came back from the Lions and suddenly you weren't on the scene.
2: Yeah, it was kind of a weird, like... Well, the whole England stuff's weird anyway, mate, to be honest. You know, <laughs> people don't like to talk about it, but I've never been scared. Like, it's, it's just rugby is just a kid's game, and it? Just like sports, is a kid's game. It's just made all prim and proper because people are making a little bit of change. Like, that's really what it's changed, right? So, yeah, like you said, man, I came into the league, was killing at under-18s, under-20s, did the seven stuff, killing there. Came into Wasps, killing, first game at Adams Park, hat-trick, in the bag, man of the match. You know what I'm saying? And then, as the season went on, I was killing, I was on par. Well, I was leading try-scorer, and um, I actually got injured. Came back, end of the season, finished second. That's crazy. I missed four months and still finished second try scorer. Like it's crazy. Anyways, did the South Africa tour following year, Argentina tour. Like you said, called up to the Lions, came back, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm competing against Chris Ashton for the spot. I'm like, well, I was on tour. I did Lions. Why am I competing? But obviously, I'm I'm trained because of how I've always been overlooked, underdog mentality, right? So. I'm like, whatever, like, bring it on. So I don't get picked for that first game against Australia, if you remember. And did we lose or we won? I think we just about won. But, you know, Stuart was obviously like, okay, he's under pressure because the media was just like, why am I not playing? Then we had that game. And I guess Ashton didn't really do nothing. But that's that's usual anyway. I don't know why people get excited about him because he's just, been, you know, just on the end of everything. Like, if I played in the teams he played, I would have had the number one record five, six years ago, maybe more. But anyway, I was competing for a spot. That's the week I went back to Gloucester, if you remember, and I scored two tries. Tore them a new one. You know what I mean? At uh, uh, Simpson Daniel right side. Remember that try? Yes, very well. Brendan, I'm not sure if you remember. You remember? There Brendan? were so many
3: great tries, mate. I'm struggling I'm to sort of separate all your ones, but
2: no, well, yeah, yeah, I'll look it up on YouTube. But yeah, 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 I'm sure it was a cracker. Basically, look it up. Wade versus Gloucester. That's what you need to type in, literally. Anyways, two tries there. And, like, I was, I was actually playing that game kind of angry as well because I was just like, I don't understand why I always have to be proving myself all the time when you've got guys out there who don't care as much as I do, who are not putting as much work in as I do, who aren't as focused, who aren't as on the ball as I am. But I still have to keep showing, like, showing up. But it's cool. I'll keep showing up. So, boom. Two tries. Following week, Lanny's like, oh, yeah, we're going to put you in. Then I tear my hamstring. Worst. Every time, earlier in my career, there was a couple hamstring tears I would get, which kind of like was Achilles' heel. Anyways, missed that game, was kind of working my way back, but the Autumn International had finished. And then, towards the end of the year, that's when I did my foot injury. And then I was done for the rest of the year. But, it was one of them ones where, like, I never really got a look in after that, which, like you said, Brendan, it doesn't really make sense because from that point onwards and even prehistoric before that, every time somebody got injured, straight back in the team, Anthony mm. Watson, Johnny May, Jack Knoll, Rocker, like, all these people. And it's just like, you know, in my head, I was battling with, like, you know, why, why is it always me? Like, what, what, what's the difference about me why I can't catch a break? And it really did affect me, to be honest. Like, not that I was depressed, but maybe I was. And, you know, for a couple of years, I was just trying to find my feet. Then 2015 came, and that's when I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go hard as possible because this is a World Cup year. World Cup year comes, and obviously, we knew about this since 2008 or nine, when we was, like, 16, 17. And that's all... Me, Farrell, Ford, Billy, like all the guys on the team, we're all in the same room at like 16, 17-year-olds listening, knowing that the World Cup's coming to London. So you can imagine us as kids, like, yo, that's going to be us, 24, 25 in in our prime, like we're going to be killing. So we get to 2015. I don't have the the best year because this is like, I've been out for like nine months with a foot injury, but I'm still up there. I'm still doing my thing. And when the business end of the season comes, that's when I show up. We have the barbarians game. I score four tries. Four flipping tries, mate. Four tries against an all-star team in an England jersey. And after the game, no one said anything to me apart from Mike Cap. He says, you know, good game. From that point on, I knew that England wasn't for me. And I was like, I'm not I don't care about trying to play for England pleasing coaches being something I'm not trying to be this different character and to try and make people feel better about themselves maybe so I get picked because whether I did that or was myself it didn't change anything so I literally after that game washed my hands of England was just like it is what it is I'm never going to play for England it's not because of me it's obviously because of whatever's going on in the organization coaches wise or whatever and um two weeks after the game, I get a call from Lanny and I didn't even pick up because I had made this decision in my head. I don't mm. really care. So I listened to the voicemail afterwards and he all he said was, hey, Lady mate, good game the other week, score some good tries. Like if I just scored one or two, I scored four. Yeah, we thought you did well, but we're going to go with Rocco on this occasion. You've had your opportunity we want to give him one. And I'm just like, how does that even make sense? You're picking a 50-man squad for a World Cup and you're telling me as if it's, you know, as if it's interchangeable. You've had your opportunity. We're going to look at somebody else. No, what you're doing is you're not picking me, mate. <laughs> you, know yeah. I you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I didn't make the squad. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make the squad. Like So you literally call me to just leave me a voicemail to say that two weeks after I've just killed the Barbarians on my own. Well, not on my own. We all had a, a sick game. Me, Marlon, <laughs> and Cipriani. I think Henry Slade played in that game. Like, there was a lot of us in there, man. It was a, it was a sit. Like, that whole week was lit. The game was lit, and the night after was lit too. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I've been, I'm rambling on. I don't know if I, I don't want to make you guys fall asleep. Type. My no, no point, you're, not you're, at all. A, you're not. You're not. I can see Chris's eyes
0: getting heavy over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just old, Christian. I, I mean, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> it, it, it's interesting you 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 raise that that area around the world cup selection because for a few of us observing it from you know journalistically at that time things became less clear as to what england were actually trying to do the nearer they got to the tournament then <laughs> it was meant to be the opposite you know things were meant to be clarifying in everyone's minds as to exactly what style of game you were going to play, and there were a whole bunch of players who who fell pretty hard around that time, didn't they? I mean, people like Luther Burrell fell, and and Carl Eastman, and there were there there were there were there were a bunch of people actually who, who probably had legitimate gripes with the way that things were run, and um, you know, in the end, you have to pick thirty or thirty-three or whatever it was at the time, so you're always going to make some tough decisions, but it just seemed to be a complete fog, and I I don't know if you ever really had a a clear vision of what was likely to be of, of of the tracks that people were meant to be on at that point?
2: Mate, to be honest, I have no idea. I I'd never really understand the whole rugby stuff anyway. Count me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll count me out, mate. It's just it's uh, too much. See me, the way I'm wired, I'm trying to be the best I can be so I can be, you know, so I can live out my role, which then ultimately helps the team overall. Because if everyone is doing their thing, then you help the team. But... I'm not going to suppress myself. I've got a personality. I'm going to share it. If I'm the man, I'm the man. You see in the records, it is what it is. But, you know, I've never really understood the whole England stuff. Like, what are they picking? Are are we trying to win championships? Are we trying to be the best in the world? Are we picking the best players? Are you picking guys who fit the mould so that you look good? Like, Mm. it doesn't make sense. And I think when you look at rugby now... It, it don't, you can see that it didn't make sense because otherwise we'd be further down the line. You see cricket absolutely killing it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Players are doing well. The league is doing well. You see rugby, it's like, you know, salary cap cuts. I know we've had the pandemic, but still salary cap cuts. You know, players now going back overseas. Attendance at games, not as good. Like people are not really tuning in to view the games. It's like the sport is such a good one. And it, it, has, it can have a massive impact in a positive way. And in a way, that's why with my rugby camps, it enables me to actually prepare the kids properly for like elite sport by teaching them values and principles of an elite mindset, which is what I have. And then hopefully when they come through, they can change rugby because of the mindset that they adopt and not the mindset that they're trying to they're trying to copy the guys before because the guys before ain't shit it is what it is like i'm just gonna say it it's not that it's not that they're like not everybody but you know what i mean the guys who play the professional game are the ones who really gonna set the tone and we have to really um understand the responsibility we have to further this game and that's by pouring into the next generation to allowing them to take it to the next level Otherwise the game's just gonna die out. Well it might not die out because obviously the people who are involved. We have money to keep it going. But you know, you don't want it to just be we don't want rugby to just exist. We want it to actually do what it's been doing over the years. It's done so many great things for people, changed lives, so much stuff. So, you know what I mean? Let's let's continue to do that, but let's also look at growing the professional side of the elite, the elite game that it is. 'Cause it's not easy to play this game, man. Some even with the sports that I you know, being in the NFL, some of them dudes couldn't play rugby. You have to be you really have to be like a superhuman in a way, you know what I mean? Take the hits, be able to run all day, down and ups, also be able to sprint. Like it's it's hard stuff. So, you know, when, when you look at my career and the stuff that how I've been treated and stuff, it's like, mate, you couldn't do half the stuff I've done and you couldn't do half the stuff that a lot of the guys what we're doing week in week out is doing. So for you to be playing around with people's money because that's what's happening as well, and then playing around with people's emotions and you know it's it's like bro, this isn't this is real life for us. This isn't a joke. You see what I'm saying? So,
0: so leading on from leading on from that, Christian, and and you're, you're talking about the slightly fragile nature of the Premiership at the moment as you're looking at it. I mean, one of the more fragile sites for a long time has been Wasps. You know, it was never. I mean, very successful, almost, almost in spite of itself at times. I mean, it always had, it always had a clutch of really, really good players. Yeah. But it, it, you know, you were quite nomadic, weren't you? You never really had a home to absolutely call your own uh, yeah. for a long period of time. I remember David Young when he was coaching saying, "You know, people are asking me when we're going to get paid, and I can't tell them because I don't know when I'm going to get paid myself." All that stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. that. And, and now, <laughs> now they seem to be right up to their eyeballs again in. A whole lot of financial uncertainty. Do you? Do you? How would you reflect on that? Um, because you, in a way, you've been, you've been through it. You're just not going through it at the moment, but you've been you've been through it previously.
2: I mean, it's always tough. Like, like obviously, I'm talking to you about from, with my business head on now, right? Mm. It's it's tough. But one of my things is I've never. I'm one of my missions as well is to like really understand the rugby business world because for me, business is very logical, right? And the way I see rugby teams, I'm like, who are the business people in these teams? <coughs> you know what I mean? Because I just feel like there's so many wrong decisions being made. The advisors are not giving the right advice. And ultimately, that's why I are in the position that we are in. Because the advisors are just, I guess, just sitting on the board collecting a check to attend meetings and not giving the best advice for the team and stuff. So, yeah, people make bad choices, but... You know, like you said, like you're not as a business, you can't be making bad decisions like that over and over and over again, you know what I mean, and so my my thing is like I want to really understand the whole rugby business and see like where I guess people are going wrong, and is he really like you know not trying to be my dad, but obviously he goes into businesses and has a look at okay where where can this improve, where can we improve in this department this 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 overall, the performance goes up revenues go up, everybody's happy. You know what I'm saying? So in, in rugby, I'm trying to look at it now saying, you know, what is the actual deal here? Why can't you get people to games? What's what's the deal? Because obviously my other passion is music and entertainment, right? And I've launched projects over here in Buffalo, you know, involving NFL, NBA players, models, influencers, business owners, all that sort of stuff. So if I, if I can attract crowds and do that stuff just for music, like who's saying that i can't do that in the rugby world to attract more people to the games you know i know there's all this ah but it's rugby and you know it has to be like this forget all that forget all that it's commercial but is this a
0: laws thing christian is it is it is it a laws thing is it a marketing thing is it a financial thing is it i don't even
2: know that's Mm -hmm. i mean that's i mean that's what i think it might be a mixture of different stuff but you know, I'm just speculating because I don't actually know all the details. You know, like we like if we go back to the point with Wasps. You know, it's a great club. You know, we've had I've had played with some great players. We've done some great stuff. I think our results at points didn't help, obviously, with maybe any commercial deals off the field, which might have caused an issue with the balance, the balance sheet, or whatever. But it's for me, it's a, it's a, it's up in the air. I just can't understand how such and such a great game can't generate revenue so that owners are making profits. I know TV rights and stuff like that, but there's other ways to make money, mate. Brendan, I love how Brendan's there like this.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, It's it's endlessly fascinating how rugby doesn't make money because it is such a good product.
2: I don't get it, mate. I don't get it. And I think that if you see with the USA, obviously winning the bid for the World Cup for both men's and women's, They're going to get it, like, let's just, you know what I mean? They're going to understand how to make money from it. And I think ultimately with English rugby, they don't really want to make money from it or they don't want everybody to make money from it. And so that's why it's the way it is, because whether it's true or not, I've heard people want to commercialise the sport, want to do this, doing that, and it's always been pushed away. So I think there is a bit of a power struggle at the top, which is why there is no growth. Which, it's a shame, mate. It's a shame because a lot of people will suffer because of that. I won't be one of them, (laughs) but a lot of people will suffer from that. You see what I'm saying? And like I said, it it trickles down to the playing side of things. You know, with this whole England selection and all that. I had to switch off from it because I've seen people go from at the top of their game to rock bottom. And these are good players. And I could never understand it when I was growing up until I went through it myself. Then I was just like, ah, I get it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English shit just messes people up because one of the things when I went to the NFL, they asked me was, "What's your why?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, they like, what's your, Why? Why do you want to play in the NFL? Like, what is? Why do you wake up every day and do this shit?" And I had to really think about it because I was just like, "You know what? I do have a why, but like, is that really why I get up every day?" And if you used to ask a rugby player, they probably would say, "Because I want to play for England." That's it. Cause that's how we're groomed. You come through, at 15, you want to play for under 16s, 18s, 20s, sevens, Saxons, all England, England, England. And then when you don't have England, like what do you have left? What are you playing for? And then all the con- the contracts are guaranteed. You can go training, rock up, as long as you do what you're told, you're gonna get paid again. You'll find another team. There's no competitiveness really. So, you know how you how how was how was uh, the sport gonna grow? You see what I'm saying? And I think that's really part of the issue, why people end up being depressed or the standard is just, you have players up here, then you have the, you know, it's like night and day. There's not, it's not very like level playing field as such. You know what yeah. I mean? The guys who apply themselves will be through the roof. The other dudes are just there collecting a the check, which you can't blame them, mate, because they know I'm never going to play for England. But as long as I do as I'm told, I'm going to get paid 50 to yeah. 100K. Mate, that's a good li- little wage, mate. Stealing the stealing a living.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Christian, I want to go back to something you said about uh, next genu and how it's meant to sort of bring the- prepare people for elite rugby, but in a slightly different way. And I was reading up about you talking about it to promote it, and you said that you know what it's like to be a rugby player and wake up and not want to play rugby. Mm. Um, how is the camp countering those feelings or preparing? future athletes to counter those feelings in a sport that, above all else, obviously, rugby's meant to be entertainment, isn't it?
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, it is, but is it entertaining, though? Because people don't pull up to the games. They're not really interested. It's like, it's a... What's the word? It's a hobby. It's not really, like... Not a hobby. For for people who... It's like a privilege. Like, ah, oh, you're going to go to rugby today? All right, cool. Rather than um, make sure you're at the game type thing, you know what I mean? It's, should I go or should I not? It doesn't really matter if you're not missing anything, which is part of the issue. You know what I mean? Mm. When you're, when Jay-Z's got a concert, or who did I go see the other day? Who, what's his name? The piano man, Billy Joel. Billy Joel. He's got a concert. Everyone's going. It's not like, yeah. oh, should I go, should I not? It's like, bro, it's Billy Joel. It's Jay-Z. It's Kanye West. Like, I'm going. Sold out <laughs> type thing. That's how when, when I'm playing, games usually are, isn't it? People are like, oh, I'm going. And that's how it should be. You know, players should be entertaining and have a certain personality about them, just like the NFL, the NBA, even soccer to a certain extent, or football. Sorry, I forgot that we're in a UK podcast. Football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So with our camps, all I'm doing is using the basic values and principles that I was brought up on in my own household and you know, bringing them forth, which is, you know, simple principles and values that go across all the industries, professional industries, whether it's sport, music or the world of work. And for me, that's what is pushed out there because then that develops the mindset of the young guys as they come up wanting to be successful. Because I always speak about, let's actually, let's talk about that when you're saying, you know, wanting to wake up and not wanting to wake up and go and train. is because, like, I would wake up like i will to go through this nonsense again. I'm going to go in the gym, do some bullshit exercises that don't actually help me in any way. Then I'm going to go outside, do some more dumb stuff. Then I'm going to run around all afternoon and be tired. Like, what's the point? Like, I'm trying to perform at the best I can perform on the weekend. Why am I wasting my time doing this stuff? So what I actually did was, <clears throat> I would actually have my own training team, right? So... I would do all the nonsense with the team but then on my days off or after training I would go and train you see what I'm saying so I'll be doing (laughs) way more than everybody else but in a way when we was in the gym I just put music on and kind of do little exercises if they looking at me if not then I would just chill (laughs) because I was like well I'm not about to waste my time doing this stuff like because i I'm it's not that I'm being a diva. Like, I had meetings with coaches like, Coach, like, I'm trying to get more out of myself. I need to do this. I want to do this. I do this with these guys. I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing any of that stuff because my stuff's better. I would be like, Coach, how can we integrate this stuff here? Because, yeah, it's not about me and whatever, but it is about me. Because I need to be able to perform. So everybody should be working to be able to get the best out of me, just like they should be trying to get the best out of my teammates. You see what I'm saying? Rather than wasting our time doing these Ponzi-like exercises and stuff that don't actually help or promote growth or promote performance,
0: I um, think that's a, that's different, Christian, to Trevor Leota, who always used to, also used to pretend to train, didn't he? But I, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I think he might have been doing it for different reasons to you. <laughs> exactly, man. Trevor
2: Leota, he's doing doing his own thing. But, 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 but when you're that size and you got all them skills, like psh, chill, man, just do your thing, mate. But essentially, you know, that was kind of, that's kind of was my, my career. Like, you know, other guys go do the stuff, go home and then, you know, just chill. i go home. I'm, I'm going to do more work. So when people would see me walking around the gym, be like, oh, this guy never trains, he's genetics. He's able to do this. But I'm flipping working my ass off me. And I'm playing. Yes.
3: <laughs> You'd get on well with Jerry Guskett, Christian. He used to, um I wouldn't say he didn't train with Bath and, and that, but used to, maybe soft pedal a bit, but then he'd be down Bath University three nights a week on spring yeah. training. Um,
0: yeah.
3: And, you know, he arrived at training fit. He didn't train to get fit. He arrived at training fit. And I'm not sure professional rugby is quite, even now, is quite caught under that.
2: It's like, you know, teams, some teams are there, some teams aren't, right? But essentially, if you look at Kaizen mentality, yeah, continuous improvement. A lot of people, once they get their qualifications, they're done. They're not trying to learn more because they think the world stops. No, it doesn't. Things get better, more things get learned. You know, you can innovate and do other stuff. And that's me. Whereas in rugby, there's a lot of guys, I guess historically, as I was coming through, once you, they knew their stuff, they got their qualifications, that was that. I'm just like, bro, we're trying to win games here. We're trying to be, or me, I'm trying to be at peak performance all the time. So if you ain't, you're not on my level. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to get better all the time. Like, there's no, there's no chill for me. And part of that has been because of my upbringing, but then also the way the world has shaped me, because I've always been the underdog, been overlooked for whatever reason. How can you be the best player and be overlooked all the time? Like, that makes sense.
0: So was there a coach anywhere, Christian, or, or an advisor, of the, people, of the people you worked a lot with? Um, either Wasps or England or in, in, in whatever rugby capacity, was there, was there a coach who made more, more than one who you considered to be on your wavelength, who knew where you were coming from, who bought into it? I mean, Danny Cipriani and Brian Ashton were famously very, yeah. very close because Danny thought that Brian understood yeah. or, or shared something of his view of what rugby could be.
2: Yeah. There was notably in my career coaches who I got on well with but I never really had like a long-standing relationship with one coach throughout mm-hmm. my career, which you know Danny was, you know I guess more blessed with than me. But I never remember I never grew up playing rugby. Like I only started playing rugby by accident because I went to Royal Grammar School, which is a it's a state school, but they have boarding as a facility there for only like hundred or two hundred boarders. But it's a free school, you have to do entry exam to get in. So that's the only reason why I stumbled across it. But going through my career, we'd have Alan Powell, who was my academy coach at London Wasps. He used to come work with me at school, like in oh. lunchtimes. In lunchtimes, but we out there kicking, doing this, doing that. Skills, right? And then after that, I would say my under-18s coach, John Fletcher yeah. and Peter Walton. And then who we, we had Harge as well. I think, think Har- Hargey first, then then um Waltz came after, It was the other way around. Um because one came from a t- yeah, I think Hargey did the tour when Fletcher came John Fletcher came on, and then Peter Wharton basically those two became the dream team. Alex Sanderson is another one who just got it. And then at Wasps, uh Rob Hoadley, remember Rob Hoadley? Yeah. Absolute legend, like defensively. This is another thing. People always talk about my defence, but my defence was not terrible at all. You know what I'm saying? Um, we'll go into that a bit later. Rob Holey, Sean Edwards, another one who got it. And then um, after that, Ben Ryan, another one who I you know, I would, you know, do whatever I'd do anything for Ben Ryan because he's he's always innovating. He's the pin, he's the when we talk about peak performance, he's always finding trying to find cutting their stuff. So when I went to Sevens like that was probably the best thing for my career to yeah. set me up for you know what was I was about to embark on. And then lastly I would say was Briar Davis. He's now at London Irish. Yeah. yeah. Absolute legend, man. Like we we when I was when I was killing it from twenty thirteen, well, I kill it every year, but when I was really like going for it, twenty thirteen, twenty four yeah, twenty thirteen until twenty sixteen. 2015, he was with us. Like, those years were sick because we'd do skills, kicking. Like, and he was our defense coach. And I would say to him, like, yo, everyone keeps talking about my D, defense, you know. Like, you know, he was just like, all right, cool. Literally, he went and watched, like, every single one of my games, watched, like, all the other defensive clips. And then he grabbed me aside one day and was like, see, wait, come come over here. And I was just like, oh, what? Oh, what's going on? He goes, nah, nah, it's just like, you know, everybody keeps talking about your defence and like, you know, I I don't see what they see. So I went and basically did a whole case study on it and he said, look at these stats. And he goes, the top three dudes, the, (laughs) the top three guys at the top were all England players, missing tackles, this, that and the other. And I was nowhere to be seen on there. And he said, look at your stats. He said, you're right up there with the best of the defenders in your position. So when people are saying this, that, and the other it's a false fallacy. They're just saying that because of your size. Maybe it looks like you missed the tackle or whatever. I don't know. But he said, "Swash that whole thought process and just block it out because it's not true. And that just lifted my whole mindset because I'm just like, bro, I'm a player who's dedicated focus and i just go hard. So... All all I've desired in my life is for a coach to coach me and work with me because I can be moulded into whatever you need me to be as long as it's within what I'm trying to do. Tell you you what, Christian,
0: that that is so interesting. And there's a couple of things in what you've just said. One is that Matthew Tate went through exactly the same thing as you. There was a perception... A perception of Matthew that he was... Because Gavin Henson picked him up twice in a couple of showboating tackles at the Arms Park, Matthew got the ball back on both occasions. He's completely... He was vilified for being a weak defender. And he was anything but, actually, anything but. And also, the coaches you've named, apart from Sean and Alex Anderson, I guess, everyone else has been thrown out with the bathwater at some point in their careers. So they've been misunderstood as well. So the guys who understand the players are quite often misunderstood so badly that they lose their jobs.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a shame, man, because it's crazy how you say Matthew, Matthew Tate, because he's one of the guys who, growing up in school, I was like, yo, he's the boy. Remember, like, World Cup, like, 2007? Like, he was, like, what, 18, 19, like, yeah. killing guys. And I'll be like, bro, this guy's sick. Like, then I got to the league, I'm running all over Matt Tate. I'm like, what the fuck happened to Matt Tate? You know what I mean? I was like, bro, what? And then I couldn't, couldn't understand. I couldn't understand it. And then, sorry, excuse my French. And then, um, obviously, when I went through my experiences, then that's when it clocked. Like, now I understand what happened to Matt Tate because I could easily go down that same route. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And you think it was a self-fulfilling prophecy and it got in his head about his defence?
2: hundred percent because then I seen it, not just with him, but other players. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Other play, I see uh, go through other players, and people will, won't talk about it because it's it's the it's the not it's the unspoken thing because it's our oh, England, England. Like, I don't care about
1: England. Bro. <laughs> what, what you're saying there? So I lo- I was looking at your Twitter earlier today, and you posted a video of Steve Harvey. Yeah,
0: right? yeah. And, morning, bro. yeah, yeah. Been doing re-
1: hey, Ollie, you do your research. I bro. did my research. Yeah, I know. I know. Pretty timely. Maybe the journalist talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, thank you well i appreciate the acknowledgement and it was actually quite i did watch the full video it was quite powerful and it was steve Harvey, and he was speaking about how the validation of others is Mm -hmm. not relevant and you can't let your mistakes define you. you can't let what others project onto you become you Mm -hmm. and i suppose what you're saying about the matthew tate example is exactly what you're saying and maybe a lesson that you've learned is you can't let with your defense for example you can't let the projections that christian wade is a bad defender actually manifest properly. I don't know if that well that feels particularly relevant to you right now.
2: Yeah, no, okay. that's exact, that's exactly it, man. That's exactly it. Cause you know, I mean my the way my parents have brought me up is like like an OG, like a gangster bro. Like street mentality. Even though they're not from the streets, but you know, I'm just very aware of my surroundings and stuff like that. There's the wash. But um you know, seeing Matthew Tate and then other guys and really understand... like going through my own experience, I was able to, like, relate and be like, bro, this is crazy. Like, I, I can... I, I generally... Because I used to, like... Even when I spoke to the guys, like, the way they speak to me and stuff, like, I could see their confidence is just not there. And so I'm like, bro, that's... I already know the thoughts that they're having. And it's mm-hmm. crazy. Like, now you're saying it, I, I'm actually going to reach out to these guys and, like, speak to them and just, like, just chop it up like this, man. And just you know have a conversation so we might we might end up having our own little podcast mate
3: you know <laughs> it's really dangerous That's when hard. you get labeled though christian I, towards the end of your career with wasps you were still being labeled as weak defensively and i remember doing a match with the rugby paper and i thought i'm going to really really look at you today and i think you took four high balls three under pressure absolutely faultless uh three clearing kicks under pressure so seven defensive plays all of them admirable and yet still, still, you, see, you know, you read a few weeks later, but, you know, defensive deficiencies. And early in your career, you might have had to work on your defence. But I didn't like you. I didn't see them in the last two or three years. But even though you had the self-confidence to keep playing, if the selectors think it, that they act accordingly.
2: Yeah, now you're, you're 100% right. Because at the end of the day, it's like people think I always... Ba- I don't know if you how you guys feel. If you're bashing England whatever, like I'm not bashing England like... I'm just all about excellence. You know what I mean? Like, you've seen what I've been able to produce in my career. So clearly, I'm going to be about excellence. Like, I'm so hard on myself with everything. So even with the critics, that's just chump. That's chump-like comments to me because I'm my worst critic, right? That's why I produce what I produce. But you're 100% right. And, you know, you can't take it away from the coaches. Like, they do have a hard job. You know what I mean? Trying to pick a team of... You know, twenty six on the match day, thirty two, whatever for the season. It is tough, but like you said, they are going to rely heavily on you know feedback and you know sometimes people get pigeonholed with you know uh, or so sort of labeled with certain things, and so okay, now we can't choose him because of that, and it it does happen, and it it you know that's I guess that's part of sport, but you know there's there's just some dudes that you know you can't just let them slip through the cracks. Mate, you just can't. You just can't, <laughs> mate. It's criminal. So going back to that Steve Harvey video,
1: why yeah, did yeah. you why did you post it today? What was particularly relevant about it today, if I can ask?
2: Well, <clears throat> I think it's because like I, I'm I've not really been like like if you take like a lot of like sports stars and whatever, I've never really shared a lot of my like life, if that make it makes sense, and I think. You know, I've kind of just kept a healthy distance where people just only know me for what I've done on the field and that's it.
0: Well, a bit like James Haskell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys, stay off social media, bro. I'm like, bro, give it a rest, mate. Killing us. killing us, bro. But nah, nah, he, I've got to give him his props because he works hard too. He just all about himself, though. So, you know, that's his, that's his problem like put that put that on record bro <laughs> but now nah, um yeah it's it was it's just it was just the fact that um you know I'm, I'm in a very um di- a, di- a different space in my life where I've always known what the next move is right and then I left rugby to come to NFL and now I've just been treading uncharted waters for 4 years 3 4 years and it's it's been very difficult um you know people saying oh, he didn't make the team or like he failed and it's like phew, mate, you don't even know American sport completely different to the UK sport so unless you've been over here yeah you, you can't even comment on what's going on over here because to get to the NFL that is the success you know what I mean just to be on a team you know in the NFL everybody's a superstar they decide who the front runners are though like you know what I'm saying who you know, who the quarterback's going to be. So he's obviously going to be the star. Then they'll get a receiver. If they give him all the press, they put him in the shop, he's the superstar for the team. He gets paid this amount of money, but the, and the, the, another receiver on the practice squad could also be the superstar if they wanted him to be. So it's one mm. of them ones where the whole, what's bunny lads? <laughs>
1: We're laughing at all the knife and fork and whatever whatever's going on in the background. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, sorry we're, not, we're not laughing at you. Don't worry. No, Lisa, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. I
0: don't know who I'm
2: talking
3: to, but hi. Hi. <laughs> Sounds like to- lunch is being prepared. He,
2: he's talking to you in my kitchen, and
3: sometimes I need to come do something. Oh, your kitchen,
0: yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I, I generally get the staff to do it here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah just from yeah from that point you know yeah NFL that is the success so I was basically going on to say that um it's been a difficult time and at times I do like I said I'm the big my biggest critic. So at times in the last four years I've probably done or been harder on myself about oh maybe I you know where is the the successes and trying to trying to search for the successes and the small wins because obviously I'm not playing games like I usually am so I can't those, those aren't successes anymore so I have to find success in completing a rep in practice or getting a rep in practice or you know with my businesses you know what was the turnover for that you know I'm teaching myself about email marketing right now so I learned how to um send like automated emails and stuff so and i'm you know giving myself success in that so i'm trying to find small wins in different areas which i haven't done before and you know there isn't a lot of feedback with you know from like either coaches or um like a boss in business so it's just very i'm I'm in uncharted waters you know what i'm saying and you know that when i saw that um tweet today i was uh sorry the video i was listening to it and it was just like a nice little reminder to kind of get out of my own head in this period and get back to, you know, what I usually, or usually the mindset that I usually have, usually have if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It was an amazingly bold step that you took, Christian. Do you, you You obviously, from what you've been saying, you obviously feel pretty enriched by the experience that it's been it's been it's been really good for you in in formulating a whole load of thoughts about yourself and about your potential uh going forward can you in a in a sort of nutshell explain the differences if there are any which i'm sure there are millions the differences in 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 the professional culture that you find in the NFL in comparison to English club rugby
2: yeah i mean you could put it into perspective Every day is like a trial, mate. So we're talking about England's selection, which nobody knows what's based on. In the NFL, the selection is every day. So let's say we played on Sunday in the NFL. We, have, we come in on a Monday. We do um, a bit of weights, some meetings. <coughs> we review the game. Then Tuesday is off. That Tuesday, you know, most we, most of us are coming in to do recovery some sort. But well, guess who else is coming in? a whole group of dudes who don't play for our team doing a tryout to try and make the team. But well, we already have the team. I'm like, what's going on? That bird's is tryouts. And that happens every single week of the season. So, in rugby, you've got dudes forgetting line-out calls when there's only 10. You've got dudes forgetting plays off a of scrum when there's only three. You can't do that in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? You can't do that in the NFL because... The dude that just came in for the tryout will take your job because in the NFL, they're always looking for who can do the same job for less money. Because if you didn't know in the NFL, let's say I've come in and I'm on you know the, the league minimum, I think it's like 690 now, 650. 650 for the year. Then my second year will be like 750, 800. Then the last year will be like a mil my next contract will have to be more than a mil. The next contract after that has to be more than that. So every year your contract goes up, you're never, ever going down. So that's kind of falls hand in hand with why careers are only the average career in the NFL is two and a half years. And the reason why it is so high, funny enough, two and a half is high is because of people like Tom Brady who play 14, 16 years. Otherwise, you know, most people are only lasting a few months, maybe a season and that's it. So, that's one similar and one difference right there in terms of mentality where you know you there's no time to chill when the season comes yeah you can be a bit more chill but you're still having to perform every single session like every day it's like so when I was telling you earlier about you know you're stealing a living oh, I'm not playing for England my contract's guaranteed as long as I do as I'm told I'll be all right nah you're not, getting, you're not getting told what to do in, in NFL. You're there. Here's the playbook. Make sure you know all of it. When your number's called, make sure you know what you're doing. I remember my, one of my first practices, um, it wasn't even a practice. It was like a walkthrough, and we had the huddle. So, it was like, right, guys, you yeah, know we're going to run gun right, track to, gun tractor right, I don't know, 32 um, diagonal slants or whatever. And then we're right, ready, break. And I'm like, uh, I go to this. <laughs> oh no, it's the other side. They like, get him out, get him out. I'm like, oh shit. Like it's literally that serious. Like you know, they call the play. You need to know where to line up. You know what's your assignment, what's your role, how you're gonna execute all of this stuff. You know what's the defense coverage all in a matter of seconds. Like there's no, like, like that's elite sport, and that's what I've been exposed to now for three and a half years. So when I go into rugby or into any other, like, organization. Like, you know, I now have a certain expectation that I've been drilled in, you know. Um, I'll hold my hand up and say, like, in rugby, you know, when it came to meetings, I'll be like, bro, this is boring. I'm being, like, falling asleep. But then when I went to the NFL, 80% of the day is meetings. We're in meetings from 8 a.m. till 9.30 at night when we're in training camp. And we'll have a gym session in there and one practice, which is two hours. So out of those, how many hours, 12 hours, 12 and a half hours, 13 hours, sorry. Um, let's say two and a half, three hours will be physical activity. The rest, I'm, in, I'm in, um, in the classroom with the PowerPoint, watching film, listening to the coach, making notes so that I know exactly what I'm doing and I know my role inside out that's the level that we're working at every single day from we start in april we have like 10 week program then we have five weeks off then we do training camp training camp is when we do the eight till 9 30 that's usually for two and a half three weeks then we have the preseason games and the season starts the season is very similar but we don't finish at 9 30 we finish at 5 45 so then it's just still like a normal working day exactly look at Chris that's what I'm saying Chris so when it comes to rugby like you there's nothing that you can tell me now about rugby because you you can't there's no comparison you see what I'm saying so all the stuff I was talking about before trying to say our coach like can we integrate this with my training so I can get the best out of myself so that we can be better as a team you know our coach can we do this Mm -hmm. all the dumb gym sessions we're doing all the mindless fitness now, there's, I don't have time for any of that stuff and I don't, I, don't, I don't need to do that and I'm not going to do that. So when I'm speaking with teams now, it's just like, listen, I understand how this works and whether you do or not, like these are the things I'm looking for because I need to be at my best so that we can all be successful. And if they don't understand that, then miss me out.
0: So, like, answer, uh, so answer me this, Christian. If, if you listen to Sean Edwards... For thirteen hours a day, seven days a week. By the end of the season, would you have understood his accent?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I. To be fair, it took me
2: about. Took me a few years to like be able. Nah, not not really a few years. Like maybe a couple years, but it was it was it was good, man. Sean, Sean is that guy, man. I love I love Sean, man. He's so, he's hard as nails, but he's he's a big not a big softy, but he's just a really nice guy, man. He's like, a people
0: person, isn't
2: he? Yeah, yeah, he really is. And he's, fu- he's funny, mate. He's funny. But, you know, when it's time to be serious, you need to be on your shit. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- these are the type of guys that, you know, brought me up in the rugby world, man. So you can understand why I am how I am once those guys have moved on and then I had whoever came after them. You know what yeah. I mean? And then it definitely helped shape me with some kind of a foundation for when I went to the NFL, even though, you know, I would never have... Envisioned it to be what it was like. Like I'm speaking to you guys, and I've seen Chris. Like, wow, you know, Ollie's wow. Brendan's just like can't even fathom right now. But <laughs> it's
0: an experience. It does. That's the that's the reality of what
2: it's like, bro. It's that's really like the guys. I'm I'm just I live right next to the stadium, and the guys are they only just broke for camp a few days ago, and then they played the game. So I know exactly what they're going through, man. It's it's. It's, it's tough, it's tough yeah. you can't, it's mentally draining and more and physically draining but it's more mentally draining like that's for me my mentality is like going through the roof my, like I was saying I was falling asleep now those little 35 minute meetings we used to have in rugby I was, I'll take the meeting mate <laughs> I'll take the meeting now jeez yeah it's different, it's different level mate it's different level for sure
1: Christian, it's time for your Random Rugby 15. You nice and quick,
2: yeah? You got music for it,
1: yeah? Uh, <laughs> I'll add music in afterwards. Unless you... I mean, you're that's your area, isn't it? So if you and want if us you some want background me, music, you can. you want
2: me to give you some um, loyalty-free music, bro, that we created, well, I can do that if you want me. Right now. You want isn't it right it? now?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I can't give you right now, but I'm saying for the edit. For the edit.
1: Okay, it. all right. I'll email you about that.
2: <laughs> Go on, it's all far, far away, far away. Right, Nickname. C Wade, formerly Wadey.
1: Best, <laughs> best rugby memory?
2: I would say, take it all the way back to the beginning. Hat-trick on my debut home game at Adams Park in High Wycombe against Leicester. 2011, I think it was. Uh, or, or winning player, player of the Year and Young Player of the Year in the same year. I think I'm still the only, only dude to do that.
1: Most embarrassing rugby memory?
2: I had one year, but I can't actually remember what happened but it involved me like fumbling the ball in our own end zone or try area so then I had to like down it but well, I was quite embarrassed because we weren't in the <laughs> we weren't in the try area yeah. I can't remember what happened but I did something happened and I ended up having to put it down which which basically ended up uh, with a five meter scrum to them which is what not... You- We've best. got your
1: new Most Embarrassing Rugby memory is calling a tri-area an end zone on a rugby podcast.
2: <laughs> Mate, what's it called again? Dead ball area. That's it. Dead
1: uh, yeah, dead ball area. <laughs> there we go. It's all coming back to him. <laughs> Pre-game tune.
2: Um, Kanye West, can't tell me nothing. Nice. Post-game meal. So, usually play on Sundays. So, we'll have like rice and peas, stew, chicken. This is a Caribbean dish or Domino's. Dominoes. I gotta have barbecue base though. I don't do that. Tomato base.
1: That's sacrilegious, but we'll ignore it. Best, <laughs> best, best player you played against?
2: Ooh, probably. I'm gonna go for a winger. So I'd say Joe Joe Toco or um, Nodolo. Yeah. Best player
1: you played with?
2: So I wrote down here: Charles Pieto, Cipriani, Willie root Kyle Eastman, Curtley Bill, Dan Robs, mate. The whole Wasps 2017 roster, mate. No one better. The only difference was we needed better leadership and we probably would have won everything.
1: Yeah. Favourite player right now?
2: Uh, Cheslin Colby.
1: Nice. Dude, my dude. Rugby idol? Jason Robinson or Shane Williams. Yeah, we've had that already. Uh, Favourite stadium?
2: The Aviva, Dublin.
1: Favourite gym
2: exercise? So either hamstring curls or Copenhagen's. You know what Copenhagen's are? It's for your adductors. Nah. you kind of like on your side, top leg on like the bench or some type of box. Oh, and you dip? Yeah, you can either dip or you can bring the bottom leg up and down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Wow. Occupation if rugby didn't exist?
2: Uh, musician. Get at me. Get at me.
0: <laughs> Superstitions.
2: <laughs> um, I don't really have a superstition, right, but um, before a game, I always have like a warm up that I do to prep me. Um, we, you know, we call it way to go. Lovely.
1: rugby law you would change.
2: <laughs> Here's one. So basically, the law I would change, or not necessarily change, but in add in, would be if you score any player scores five tries, the game's over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: like the golden, golden snitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Give me the give me the ball, lads. I've got to be home by one. <laughs>
1: That would be amazing. That's definitely the best one we've had. (laughs) Lastly, best thing about working in rugby?
2: I would say it has to be the camaraderie with the players, man, because, you know, I've been in the NFL and here, you know, we still have camaraderie but it's a bit more individualised even though it's a team sport but with rugby it's like, you know, unmatched, you know, on the field, the field, in meetings. You know, I've met so many great people in rugby, you know, long-time friends all over the world so that would have to be you know, the best thing about it bro
1: yeah highlight of those answers was absolutely the five try rule
2: oh that's
1: amazing genius genius <laughs> although i'm struggling to and correct me if i'm wrong christian have you was there a time in your pro career that you scored five in a game
2: six actually wasps they uh they actually renamed the stadium was the six wades <laughs> <laughs> Mate, 2015, bro. Six tries in one game, crazy.
1: Oh, you're right. Yeah, my, yeah, my. La- there we go. I didn't do my research there. I mean, I wasn't expecting you to flag up a five try rule.
2: Mate, I was just about to say, bro. You do all your research, but you didn't do that one. But no, yeah, I obviously nah,
1: didn't.
2: Six tries in one game, most tries in a single game in the professional era. I think. I think there was about like, one other dude, maybe in the first year rugby went professional, but yeah. I mean, so. We're not gonna count that, we, Chris. We're not gonna count that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, with your rule, though, if five tries had been scored, you wouldn't have been able to score a six, so you wouldn't be able to have that title most in a professional yeah. area.
2: It's true, but that's why I said five, innit? I didn't want to say six because it's a bit out of reach. It's out of reach. Yeah, that's true. Five's five make more sense because I think I've seen some dudes score four, but like five is like exceptional, innit?
1: Super so, mad, yeah.
2: I was like, bro, you score... I, I, I think there might be some dudes who scored five, actually. I think there is, isn't it, Chris?
0: Uh, I, do, do you know, I, I, can, I can remember... In, in, I mean, right back, before you were born, Christian, Um, in the days when, um, you know, teams didn't score five tries in a season. We're there, better? There, there, was we're better. A guy, there was a guy called uh, Greg Cornelson who played in the back row. In fact, his son plays for Japan now but he played in the back row for Australia and he scored four tries against the All Blacks in a wow. Bledisloe Cup game. And it's a really That's celebrated outrageous. thing. And you look it up on YouTube and they're all from about three inches because he's just gone off the back of a scrum. <laughs> so so yeah. his yardage would not be would not be terribly impressive, yeah. I think, Christian. Not like yours. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. It reminds me of, uh, there was one year when me and uh, Thomas Waldron was battling it out. <laughs> Cause he was scoring tries like no tomorrow, mate. I was like, bro, <laughs> like it was like he was like like he was top and I was second. Then I yeah, for place. I was like, mate, like this is unfair, bro. Like I would to go in the back of to roll walls. <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you should you have gone up to him, Christian and said, Tom, you should be embarrassed, embarrassed at <laughs> the tries you score. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious, bro. He was, it was like
2: that. I think there was those years or that year. Like, you couldn't stop Exeter's rolling more, man. They were going crazy. I remember we used to play Exeter. Like, shit. (laughs) It's going to be a long day, mate. Don't give them any line-outs in the 22, mate.
1: (laughs) I've got one. Josh Lucy, Uruguay, Rugby
2: World Cup 2003. He scored five. He scored five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's got to be a few. I feel like I've seen a few. Definitely four, but then fives maybe. So I'm like... That's why the, the for me the rule made sense and I wanted yeah. to make it. Realistic. I wanted to make it realistic. Come on, lads! I'm not. I'm a realist. I'm a yeah realist. yeah, yeah. You, If if you have a law, you want it to
1: actually be sort of invoked from time to time. Don't yeah, don't. You. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah. That, that, that was that was a game when when England scored hundred points plus. Yeah, I think it was hundred. Um, Joe, Joe Worsley was yellow carded uh, for something or other against yeah. Uruguay when they were winning ninety five nil or something, and he walked off the pitch and applauded the crowd. <laughs> and Clive Wood went berserk
1: (laughs) thanks for sitting through that drubbing
0: lads (laughs) I
1: mean same year actually because that had a couple of cricket scores
0: Matt Rogers did he score five against Namibia oh he might have done he might might have done and to to be honest that's one of the things that you, you fear about in all seriousness you fear about the World Cup that's coming up I mean England have got to play Chile now, no dis, no disrespect to Chile. They yeah. clawed their way there. That's yeah. fine. They've done it fair and square. They did it by beating the states. You know. Yeah, yeah. However, however, there could be some pretty horrendous. Uh, and and that's and you go back to what Christian was saying about trying to make this game really entertaining. This sport, you know, it, it could be so entertaining. Yeah. Hundred point victories are not entertaining. That's all. Yeah. That's yeah. like watching the grass grow. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: about that, man.
1: I'm wrong. It wasn't Matt Rogers. It was Chris Latham.
0: Oh, Latham. Knew, knew it was one of them. Yeah. yeah, he used to play for Worcester. You ran round him six times that day at Six Ways. <laughs> <laughs> Latham, I remember he did. I remember
2: him coming over, actually. Bit of a legend, mate.
1: Bit of trivia. Can anyone tell me what the score was that day? Australia and Namibia.
2: Not I me.
1: D- I don't think I would have got this.
2: My trivia.
1: 142. Oh, yeah, it's large. Whoa.
2: Yeah, what mate, year was that? What year was that? That was
1: 03 as well.
2: Yeah, mate,
1: that's yeah, a, a few hundred Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> they should have brought the schoolboy rules in. When you hit 50, it's game over. It's
1: game over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pit, uh, pity retirement.
2: You feel me? Like, because it's a bit humiliating for the team who lost too, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, once you get to a certain score, it's like, mate.
0: Are we playing basketball or rugby? <laughs> well,
1: you just start, you stop celebrating after try number three. You're just like, all right, been there, done that, that's...
0: yeah. And, and honestly, Christian, you see something... I mean, Jacques Berger would probably have played that day for Namibia. I mean, and, I mean there, there's a guy who was... I mean, the nearest single all-one-man team you can yeah. sort of imagine. And yeah. his spirit, he never lost an ounce of energy or spirit or commitment. And you sort of thought, some guy... Some yeah. guy, you know, in a, in a good... In a, I mean, he was obviously very, very good when he was with Saracens. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and they were a top side, and that showed what he could do. But, yeah, uh, I mean, to be knowing... To take the field knowing your 90 points, yeah, your shorts, is not funny, is it? It's
2: tough, man. It's tough, man. It's-
0: so, I just want to touch upon one more thing, and I think
1: this has been sort of inferred throughout, is, Christian, with your journey... Oh,
2: oh. Wait, I said 20 minutes, mate. Now...
1: Are you you done?
2: No, i Go. joking. Are you sure? Girl. Mate, <laughs> there's
1: the offer. If you, the offers are,
2: if you want out, you can go. <laughs> nah, mate, I'm, I'm, mess, I'm messing with you, bro. Girl. I've never
1: been violated so much as host of the Rugby Paper podcast. <laughs> That's
2: hilarious. hilarious. If you want to wrap up, I'm more than happy to wrap up. Nah, like. bro, I'm, I'm chilling, bro. After this, I'm actually going to go and... um in in the garage bro and play some drums bro
1: oh nice
2: just you know work out a little bit on the drum kit mate so yeah nice i
1: did want to ask about just the overall impression you've given which is controlling the controllables yeah and that's something that you seem very tuned into and maybe that's the result of being victim to some uncontrollables in rugby be it injury be it selection issues And you control the controllables in making that step and going to the States and saying, this is my life, I'm putting my own spin on it. You did exactly the same thing in stopping with the Buffalo Bills with Next Gen U. And I just wonder whether, it's a bit of a cliche, but if you're speaking to Christian, the Christian Wade who signs his first professional WAFs contract, whether that's the sort of most important thing you'd say lead your rugby career with?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way, like, like you said, it comes with the Next Gen U stuff. It's, you know... Believe in the values and the principles that you were brought up on. And you know, don't don't la allow the outside influences to try and change you because at the end of the day, you know, your what the principles and the values that I rest my my you know, my hat on or my laurel, or whatever however you wanna say it, um, that's what's gonna carry me through. And, you know, I basically gone full circle, you know come into the sport with that, that's given me success. Then I've come into a sport, like I said, that I don't know and I've just tried to follow everybody else to try and get success because I'm like, okay, well, if that guy's doing this and it's made him successful, then I will do that too. But then i realised actually now that doesn't work for me. So I've then had to find, you know, different ways and then ultimately gone through the whole thing, England, realised that that's not really for me. And I need to be true to myself and just do my thing. And then that's obviously what pushed me to come to the NFL. I've learned what I've learned here. And now I'm just, you know, more comfortable in my own skin. I know what it is I want. And um, that would literally be the message, bro. Just, you know, those principles and values that was instilled in me from my parents, um, both my mom and dad, you know, that's, that's basically what's carried me through. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty much that's what's carrying me through now in those uncharted waters where it's uncertain every day, you know, I'm not sure my next move. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing more and more on the stuff that my parents had instilled in me throughout my childhood. And that's what's continuing to, you know, make me successful. And, um, it's just like the Steve Harvey um, video. That's another thing that, you know, is a, is, a, is a reminder for me. And that's going to now take me to another level again. So uh I would like to say when I get back to England that we should all hook up, lads, get a little drink because it's been fun. It's been fun, mate. Even yeah. though you got me I'm on down. here past the time you said, mate.
0: And that very nice dinner your wife was cooking, well, that's gone now. So, <laughs> so uh, hey, well, I didn't... I, I played the drums all to me teens, early 20s, so I'm with you. Well. Yeah
2: i yeah. bought a um, imagine this right. I put I I bought a um. So my little brother's with Pearl, by the way. You heard, you know Pearl drums.
0: I know Pearl drums. ran slit i was a slingerland myself.
2: Oh is it? yeah. So he's with Pearl and then Istanbul Agape cymbals. And I just was. had
0: bog standard zildjian, you know.
2: Oh, yeah, nah, wait. Zildjians That's the one. That's the one that everybody wants, though, boss. Hey,
0: that's
2: the right. one that everybody I, wants.
0: I saw Buddy Rich play live.
2: No way. That's incredible. Ollie's like, who the hell is Buddy Rich?
1: You're you're speaking foreign languages. You may as well start explaining the rules of American football. I'll tell you something
0: else. I sat there that night and thinking, well, I've been playing the drums for about 10 years now and there is nothing that you are doing out there that I can do. Nothing (laughs) at all. At all. Mate, he's he's insane,
2: bro. And he's so old and still killing 'Cause the technique was just
0: Stunning. Look at it look it up on YouTube. Just buddy Rich Drum Solo Ollie and teach yourself yeah, a figure too. You'll
2: see it, bro. But yeah, I've got so I've got a I've managed to pick up a Pearl Masters, right? Yeah. Three up, two down, rack, um, all the hardware for guess how much? And this is a Pearl Masters like Birch kit, like from Oh cracking.
0: I mean, I don't even know added. how much kits are now. It's, it's thirty years since I've touched the drum. Um, I don't know, couple of grand? Nah, mate. I got it for 800. I paid 800 quid for a Slingerland kit in 1977. That's what I was saying, bro. <laughs> I got the whole...
2: I, I give, give up. Like, literally, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16... Oh, yeah, eight, get eight, rub, eight, rub eight, it in. This has been eight, a rubbish 19 But Mate, <laughs> it's crazy. That's just, it's, it's, it's a bargain. Like I got it. It's a second-hand kit. It sounds bro. great. It sounds amazing, bro. And... um. I don't even know why I told you that, that guy. But no, nah, it's, it's been... um You're hurting been, me now. It's been a pleasure <laughs> speaking with you guys, man.
1: Yeah, mate. It's been absolutely awesome having you hey, on. it has been and good after, fun, Christian. Really I've got to say, and just to flex my research one more time, Christian, you got stung by a wasp for the first time ever at the start of this summer.
2: <laughs> yes, I did, bro. I
1: did. I actually did. And I know you're a believer in... You know, fate and us all having a predetermined path. Do you, th- do you think that was that was a sign?
2: Nah, not really, to be honest. Because WASP ain't on anything serious, mate. So it's one of them ones where um, some I think somebody tweeted said, "Ah, oh, it must be a sign." But nah, I think yeah, it was like,
1: Anthony Watson, wasn't it? He was just like, "Yeah, just sign the damn thing."
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah, there's no contracts on the table. To be honest, they were interested or they are interested, but. Like I said, there is obviously a lot of um, salary cap issues. Yeah. Don't want a, a repeat of the Saracen saga. Like I said, players are going back abroad because they can't be afforded anymore. And then you've got to think right now, teams are already in pre-season playing games soon. So, you know, it's it's going to be quite difficult. Yeah, it'll be a To be, you know, signed to a team. So, you know, we might be looking at next season, to be honest. But, yeah, we'll see, man. In the meantime, like I said, I'm doing my foundation. You know, I've got a couple of other music projects that I'm doing over here in America. And, um, yeah, man, just really enjoying this unusual time off.
1: Yeah. 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 And yeah. If, you, if you do come back next season, I'm guessing you'll turn up in Tip Top as well.
2: Stay tuned, bro, because you yeah. know when I touch the field, it's game over for everybody.
0: Well, Especially if there's that five, if that's that five try rule in force. (laughs) Then it's literally (laughs) game over. You 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 will be home before your wife gets the cutlery out. (laughs) Ollie, you got to
2: push that, (laughs) mate.
1: Why am I the one doing it? Chris has has far more respect than
2: me. Does, Chris. You the one then, mate. I need that, bro.
1: The rugby paper can be bought in stores on Sundays or delivered to you through our digital subscription. We hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we did and next week we look at some non-traditional views surrounding coaching. Presenting them to us is none other than former England and Ireland coach Brian Ashton.